Hey everybody, it's Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of McKinney Flavelle. And before we get started on today's podcast, I'd like to do something and that is celebrate. And why am I celebrating? I'm celebrating because last week we completed our 300th, yes, 300th podcast in our podcast series. We're just so blessed to have all of you listeners out there coming from when we started with the first podcast to now it's been a great ride. And now we're looking forward to the future and the next 300 or even more podcasts. So guess what? We need your help. We'd love your comments. We love your ideas and talk about things that you want to listen to. So if you're interested in commenting on that, go to McKinney-Flavel.com slash podcast. Yes, that's McKinney-Flavel.com slash podcast and give your information of, hey, you should be covering this or, oh, I'm interested in this. And I, I guess I'm going to do something crazy here. And we will select one of you who gives some feedback when we'll set you up with a bling box. And I've seen these bling boxes. They're so great. In fact, I think I'm going to try to win the bling box here. Maybe uh, Pete will let me win that. But anyway, on with the podcast. Bikini Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everyone. I am not Michael Coughlin, but this is the McKinney Flavelle Hot Commodity Podcast for Friday, October 21, 2022. And in a serious absence of judgment, they have allowed me, Sean Bingham, Director of Risk Management, to host today. I am joined by our very own Eric Thornton, Commodity Specialist. And uh, wow, Eric, what do you think about 300 podcasts? Man, that's a lot of uh, podcasts, Sean, but it's a milestone for sure. It I is. Know we've got a lot more ahead of us. Yeah, so I, I did a little I did a little math this morning. So I'm not that great at math, but I figured out I guess this makes this the 301st podcast. Yep. Um, also, uh, you know, if you if you put this into into months, I think it's about as many months as it's been since the Bills have won a Super Bowl. <laughs> it, wait, wait. Oh, wait. The Bills have never won a Super Bowl. Yeah, I was gonna Four say you'd be searching forever to try and find that at, one. But four appearances in a row. In a row in the early 90s and goose egged. Mm. So are they going to break that streak this year? Well, it certainly seems like they've got a great chance to. And, uh, you know, in our arena of trying to forecast commodities, you know, you kind of transfer that <laughs> over to the NFL. And while it looks good on paper and we're certainly got a good record now, you just never know what may happen, right, Sean, in the NFL? Only one team uh, can come out on top. So That's exactly right. Um, I like our chances. You know, stay healthy. Maybe uh, get home field throughout the playoffs, and let's just see. Let's just see how the playoffs roll. But hey, it's October. A lot of football to go, as we know. There, there, there is a lot of football to go, and a lot of things can can change in a hurry. But uh, I tell you what, I I like your Bills' chances. I think you guys have a uh, a great quarterback and uh, consistent quarterback, and that's really what you need to go all the way. Yeah. But uh, all right, enough enough with uh, football. Eric, this will probably be the last time they let me host, so I'm gonna I'm gonna mix things <laughs> up a little bit. Um, a Let's reminder for our IQ Platform Premium subscribers: be sure and check out our new Commodity Insights Weekly Report, published each Monday, where you will find updated commentary from our 
expert analysts on commercial, fundamental, and technical factors affecting a variety of commodity ingredients. The report will also include updates on energy, the economy, and inflation, along with some uh, urgency indicators and uh, and some guidance. So, uh, of course, you can only find that report on the McKinney-Flavel IQ platform. And if you are not a subscriber, get in touch with us and uh, take it for a test drive. Maybe, uh, maybe, Eric, I can convince Mike to raffle off one of those bling boxes for everyone that signs up for a new test drive, huh? There we those go. Things, uh, those things are pretty sweet. Uh, who wouldn't want a bling box? Maybe right before the holidays. Who wouldn't want a bling even. box? Yeah, there you go. You could give it away if you don't. You know, if you don't like anything in there, just just send it off as another gift. All right, Eric. Since I uh, since I have uh, you with me today, I would be remiss if that I did not talk about uh, wheat uh, market. So, uh, oh yes, there's no there's no shortage of things to talk about in the wheat market. And while the market has kind of traded sideways here for a while. There's there's plenty going on. Um, I'm going to just throw some topics out and then I'm going to let you pick uh, pick some things that you think uh, are important. But let's do it. Uh, you know, to me, I look at these things and a big difference, it seems like, between the domestic and the global uh, stock situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going to happen with the Ukraine gar- uh, grain corridor uh, in mid-November? Uh, you mentioned we were on a call this morning, and you mentioned uh, a potential change in weather pattern. I'd like mm-hmm. to hear a little bit about that, uh, and I'm sure our listeners would too. I mean, the list goes on, Eric, so I- I'm just going to let you uh, pick and choose what you sure. think uh, are really uh, really driving the wheat market, and, and really, w- where are we going from here? Yeah, absolutely. No, wheat's um, certainly a great commodity to talk about right now. And, you know, in most normal years, Sean, really, wheat would be calming down substantially in terms of news, um, especially from a fundamental standpoint, as we basically round out winter wheat plantings uh, right through the holidays and through the first quarter in each calendar year. Things are just very quiet um, since really most of the uh, major producers and exporters of wheat reside in the Northern hemisphere. And, you know, as those crops sit through the dormancy window, you know, really not a lot to talk about, but this year, a much, much different story. And I'll just uh, obviously pick off the first one you mentioned versus, uh, you know, U.S. stocks here versus globally sitting on the lowest stocks here in the United States that we've seen since 2007, 2008. And, you know, despite coming off lower in stocks after we got the update to production at the end of September, and then reflected through that in the WASDI a week ago. You know, stocks to use didn't change all that much. We're still sitting uh, at a total stocks to use ratio of about 31% Mm -hmm. um, from the September update to the October update, which again, flushed out the 133 million bushel lower in production, but we lost um, some 80 million bushels in demand. So really the stock situation didn't change much, but you know, we're a long way to go from that level of 0708. Uh, but yet again, that's going to be weighing and just supporting the market until we get another round of supply next year. But if I switch globally. Yeah, that's uh, that brings up a whole lot of other issues, right? Yeah, it does. And, you know, from a, just a, production standpoint, you know, record production, which you don't really hear all that much and you kind of scratch your head. Well, you know, it's not really reflective here in the United States pricing because yeah, we've had back-to-back years of subpar crops with drought in the Northern Plains two years ago and then drought in the Southern Plains this past year. But globally, still 
production is, is quite strong and it, it may even sneak up a bit higher from where the USDA has it currently pegged at uh, 781 millimetric tons. Uh, I think they're understated with Russia still, and they might be understated a little bit more with Australia. But uh, all in all, you know, we're seeing that stocks, especially stocks less China, are the lowest since 2013-14. So a little misleading when you hear of record production as it filters its way through to the stock scenario. And, and even further to that, on the bullish side is, yes, the stocks are as tight as they've been in some eight years. But if you look at those countries where there is excess grain to export, kind of going into the you know Russia-Ukraine situation a bit, Sean, is the, the excess wheat is in the wrong areas, unfortunately. So Russia <laughs> yes, it is. is sitting on a massive amount of stockpiles of wheat. Um, they're running some 30% below last year in terms of the amount of sales and exports they have currently. So, you know, Australia as well, three record crops in a row. With La Nina in play, they usually get uh, good rainfall, and that's just what's happened uh, over the last, last three years. Um, but mm-hmm. they're having major problems at their ports, labor challenges, uh, issues getting containers, things out in a timely fashion. And then they're just a, a big logistical disadvantage um, being all the way f- well, far away from North Africa and the Middle yeah. East. And then also, and then lastly, um, Ukraine. So yes, the corridor has been open for a few months now, but um, you know, exports still struggling to get out to pre-war levels, you know, five, six millimetric tons of all uh, grains per month. So that's been challenging. And then the unknown about will or won't the export corridor remain open beyond its expiration here at the end of November. So a lot of interest on that from a wheat standpoint. And it seems, you know, each week we uh, take a look back at the news and the headlines and it's, you know, it flip flops where the market believes that there's not going to be any chance the corridor will remain open past November. And then you look and take a look at this week and there actually is more, you know, optimism where the UN is citing that, you know, discussions are ongoing, they're quote unquote encouraging. Um, You know, there is some uh, list of deliverables that Russia would like to see changed that likely right. lean in their favor as it relates to coming to another agreement. And I, you know, if you had to pin me down and say one way or the other, I would say that the deal likely gets done in some fashion. Again, probably some incentive or how it's going to favor, uh, especially Russian wheat to get out for them since they have been lagging. Yeah. So I think it will remain open and the market is just fixated on headlines, rumors and, and what's going on there. So, yeah, well, right. I mean, right, rightfully so. Right. It, <laughs> I mean, oh, it's, definitely. It, 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 it's a big deal. I would say, you know, uh, I think there's an energy component to that discussion as well. And, and that energy component being the fact that it seems like the EU has got enough stocks currently to get them at least through the winter. So that, that political lever that the Russians uh, had to uh, you know, to negotiate is is kind of gone now. So mm-hmm. they're right. really just left with the grain corridor, and I just think it's probably going to be in their best interest because uh, there's things they're they're going to want. I think 
Putin needs some kind of an exit out of exit strategy out of this. Mm-hmm. And if that's the only lever he has left, I, I think he's going to have to use it to move forward. So I, I'd agree with you on that, on that. I think, you know, you never know in times like this and, and with leaders that uh, say one thing and do another, but I, I would tend to agree that yeah. that quarter was, will likely stay open. And the mentality else, I'll, I'll throw a question back to you, Sean, is, um, you know, with those unknowns, you know, it seems as though the 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 funds and specs have been kind of cautious to really jump in fully on wheat, unlike what they did, you know, a year ago at this time or when before the war broke out. So maybe a quick synopsis of maybe their yeah. mentality, what you're seeing, you know, could could they still pump this market up to, you know, eleven, twelve dollars yeah. a bushel? Um, you know, what uh what are you seeing from that standpoint? Well, I mean, if you just if you just compare where speculators are with regard to wheat versus corn, I would say uh, they are at best mildly bullish wheat. I think there's there's just too many things going on uh, for them to have a whole lot of interest to get long right now. Even though you know the risk probably favors the upside fundamentally anyway. Wheat's a wheat. Speculator movement in wheat is is kind of a conundrum. It is consistently, consistently short. Mm-hmm. We are we are at levels I would say are mildly, mildly bullish. But but when you compare it to to corn, you know, we, I have a I, I keep these kind of uh, leverage indexes, uh, speculator leverage indexes, and I've got wheat as a whole. You know, all three wheat classes. I've got our index just barely uh, into positive at around uh, 13%, but our corn leverage index is is nearly 38%, probably climbing some more. So yeah, it's always tough to talk about wheat because it depends which class uh, you're sure. looking at. Yeah. I tend to I tend to favor uh, the KC wheat contract as far as if you want a pure a more pure look at, at what speculators are doing. And I would say basically what's happened is uh, they they got a little bit short in the last four five six weeks, but now they've reversed that position uh, with with wheat prices moving up, and and they are slightly slightly long. And I think the thing about speculator uh, move uh, positions is it's more important to watch the direction, watch the movement, because that's that's where the that's where the you know the, the prices are going to go. Those correlations are very very high. And right now, that movement, despite the fact that wheat has kind of been Trading sideways, that movement is mm-hmm. is moving uh, in the north direction. So right, yeah, good recap. I was going to ask you. So you had mentioned this morning about uh, about this change in potential La Nina. I yep. thought that was really interesting. You want to share a little on that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a a big follower of weather, just from a passion standpoint, and obviously, you know, very impactful to commodities and um, you know potentially looking down the future of what might be ahead. So. Uh, NOAA came out with their update to the ENZO forecast, the El Nino Southern Oscillation. You know, we're currently in a La Nina. We really have been for the last two and a half years. And the previous forecast and leading up to, um, you know, this uh, this La Nina into the winter really had it holding on until uh, March, April, May of next year. But this latest update we got um, this past Monday <clears throat> seemed to indicate that maybe La Nina phases out a bit earlier than anticipated, and we get into a more neutral global weather pattern, uh, say February or March. So running about one to two months earlier, potentially, which, you know, if you factor what a typical 
neutral winter and spring pattern looks like. Usually things still stay warm in the south and you know that wouldn't be great for the southern plains remaining warmer than average, but you do start to get a better chance for rainfall. Um, more so for the southeast, so in particular Texas, uh, you know, Louisiana, Arkansas, right up through the Carolinas, but many times that moisture pocket can move further west and you can get and capitalize on better rainfall chances. So if that does play out, you know, we're trending more neutral February, March, and maybe we're getting better chances for rainfall. That's going to be ideal timing for that hard red winter wheat crop coming out of dormancy. So even though, you know, the market's very concerned at the moment with how dry things have been, mm. especially in that region, and, and really 66% of all winter wheat crops are currently dealing uh, with drought. If they can come out of that dormancy window and get the moisture, it would be very timely at that time, you know, in that uh, window, the crop still has a chance to uh, deliver for us and, you know, at least see some decent yields next year. So hanging on to some of the optimism and, you know, if you kind of close the book today and open it up in January, February, we'll probably have a lot better idea of what that looks like. But for now, you know, we're still probably going to have some weather risk premium and concerns looming over the market. Um, And also lastly, I'll just finish with weather on the more short-term look too, getting some better chances for rains um, in the plains, a little bit more localized to Texas and Arkansas, Mississippi, but Kansas is also going to tap in on some moisture. So that could uh, help at least with pricing next week in terms of maybe keeping things relatively stable, if not even trickling a little lower, but um, you know, the war and things like that too will still be yeah. pretty mindful for the market. So yes, weather, we would like to see that pattern switch or at least give us some opportunity to uh, cash in on some rain next spring. So something to keep an eye on. Yeah, we could really, uh, I mean, Kansas could could desperately use some some rain. Uh, the whole High Plains area and, and all out west, uh, boy, we, we could certainly use a shift there and it'd be really nice to see a uh, a trend to some uh, some better stocks and some better production over the over the next few years. So yeah, we'll we'll cross our fingers on that. Yes, sir. I, Eric, I could go on all day, but I don't think they'll let us. So uh, I guess we'll just <laughs> we'll just wrap uh, wrap our hot commodity podcast up here. Perfect. I want to thank everyone for listening, uh, and as our fearless leader Mike always likes to say, live with an attitude of gratitude. Be kind to one another. Uh, don't step on anybody on the way up because you never know if you're going to meet them on the way back down. So uh, (laughs) until next time, everyone, uh, take care and have a great weekend. So long. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favelle's IQ Ingredient Intelligence platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini-favel.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.